Well, what a great time of worship already today. So much to celebrate, so many great things that are happening. And today we continue our series, It's Spiritual. And while we see baptism and we think, man, that's a spiritual thing, absolutely. God transforming lives, changing hearts, that is spiritual. Worship is spiritual. When we come and, and we pour our hearts out to God and he begins to transform us and, and we feel that, that God is moving in our spirit, absolutely, that's spiritual. So many things that we put in that category of spiritual. Yeah, reading your Bible, praying, that's spiritual, right? Sharing uh, your faith or, or serving others, that's spiritual. But many times when it comes to our resources, our stuff and our things, we think, what's spiritual about that? That's just like kind of how life works and uh, the economy works. And you got money and you buy things, you pay for things. How can that be spiritual? Well, we're looking in the series how our money and our things are, are spiritual. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. He's saying our treasure and our heart is linked. And so as we look at those pieces, we go, how is our heart and our treasure connected? And because they're connected in that way, our treasure can lead our heart right to God. And it can lead us to the purposes and the kingdom principles that, that God has for us. And so for many, this, this, this idea of, of our finances and how we handle them in our faith, we put them over to the side and you know, let's just deal in this faith lane, the spiritual lane. And that's why we have this block, I think, in our spiritual growth. That really the way we handle our money and our resources is actually one of those things that is hindering us in our walk with Christ. But when we discover the freedom and the joy and, and the power of being generous and using our resources in the way that God has intended, there's a freedom that can come. And there's a growth that we can experience in our life through that. And so that's what we've been looking at over these last several weeks. And today, what I wanna talk about is the purpose. Purpose, we've been looking at purpose in different ways throughout, throughout these, these weeks, but what is it that God intends? What is the design behind this economy that God created and how he calls us to give and to be generous and to leverage our resources for his kingdom? I mean, all throughout this series, we've been looking at different ways that God has, has called us to be engaged in what he's doing. Remember the parable of the talents that we looked at where, where these uh, different servants were given different amounts of, of money to invest in the kingdom and for their master? And we talked about it's not about the starting amount, it's about what you do with it that counts, right? How you invest it, how you leverage it for the kingdom. We talked about tithing and, and this principle that God designed where he said the first 10%, the first part, is holy. It's set apart. It's for him. And how we engage it, when we give him the first and the best, the rest is blessed. And do we have the trust? Do we have the faith to, to see God at work and to really allow him to move in us and through us in that way? We looked at generosity last week. Generosity. Were any of you guys generous this week in, a, in an unusual way? Remember, generosity is going beyond what is expected, doing something that, that's unexpected. This is kind of a silly example, but I, I had a chance to be together with my sisters for like, two of my three sisters for like 24 hours. And when we got together, um, we, we kind of spontaneously went to, to Cracker Barrel because my youngest sister just had a hankering for crank, Cracker Barrel, you know? So we went to, to Cracker Barrel, we ate, and then after we paid the bill, they were, they were around the, the Christmas shop you know, area there that, looking at stuff, and I caught up to my sisters, and my youngest uh, sister, she had, um, she had these massive earmuffs on, like, you know, like for the winter, and she was trying them on. They, were, had, you know, they had some there, and I overheard her saying to my sister, I always wanted earmuffs, and I never had any since I was a kid. And at that moment, I ripped them off her head and I said, I'm getting you some earmuffs today. If I can fulfill a bucket list item and, uh, you know, fulfill this childhood dreams, even though they're ridiculously priced at $12.50, I'm, 
I taught on generosity. <laughs> I'm buying you those earmuffs. See, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to, to, to make and fulfill someone's dream. So there, I bought her the earmuffs, and I hope she's happy now. Manuela, I hope you're happy. All right, um, but generosity, we looked at that. And so as we look at this growth in, in giving and generosity, it, it just reminds us, though, even that story, how much fun and joy that could be. Because typical Mark may have been like, I ain't spending twelve fifty on a piece of, you know, whatever, little, little earmuffs, and you know what else I could buy with that and could do with that, and that's just not a smart thing, and the moment would have been over, but now we have something to laugh about. We have a story. She puts them on, and, you know, like, it, it's when we unleash our giving, and when we unleash generosity in small ways and in large ways, there's a joy that's there, and God works through that. Well, like I said today, I want to look at purpose. What's, what's the end game? What's, what's God trying to accomplish in us, through us, and in the world around us. We're gonna be looking at a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter six, and uh, the context of this, this passage is, if you wanna get look there in your Bible or on, on your phone, um, 2 Corinthians chapter six, we'll get there in a moment. The context is there's, there are these different churches that uh, Paul, who was the early missionary starting different churches, he had started them, and he was going around, and he had announced that there was going to be a big give. Okay, he didn't call it the big give, but he called it an offering. There was an offering that he was uh, co collecting from the different churches to go to Jerusalem to help the brothers and sisters in the church there. And so he had announced it some time ahead and to give people time and adequate um, place to prepare for that. And then he was saying, I'm going to come around or some of my uh, assistants will come around and they will collect this offering. And, and so now he's teaching them about the purpose of the giving and the gifts and how the church is working together and coming together to accomplish something for God's purpose. And within this uh, context, he teaches them an incredible principle. Last week I talked about the secret of generosity is denial. There's a, there's that, that, unle that unleashes the power of generosity is when we deny ourselves. Self-denial. Well, today in this kingdom principle is another hardwired principle into the kingdom of God and into this world that God designed. And if we tap into it, we're going to see something powerful that happens. And that principle is the reap-sow principle. The reap-sow principle. And here's what it, how Paul begins here in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Seems kind of self-explanatory, seems kind of obvious, but there's something powerful in this that we can often miss. And, and maybe we forget that this principle is at work, but the, the reap-sow principle says you reap in direct proportion to what you sow. You reap, that's the, that's the harvesting. We don't often use reaping and sowing in today's economy and in our today's culture and in this world, right? We don't say, hey, you know, what did you sow today? <laughs> Sowing, no, so, no. Sowing was, was scattering the seed, planting the seed, putting it in the ground. Reaping is, is the harvest. It's getting that back. It'd be saying like in today's terms, whatever you invest, right, you invest and in, in you return is in proportion to your investment. And so it, you look at that context and we understand there's this unique relationship between the seed and the crop, and, and Paul is teaching them this principle, saying this is how it works in the kingdom of God. And, and you just have to just look around you. You'll see this principle at work. Look around at the fields. Many of them were in that uh, agricultural society. There was so much planting and harvesting, and, and, and they understood this, how, the, how this worked. And so they looked at this and going, okay, how does this, this work? And, and you look at this, this relationship of, of seed to crop. Well, um, again, we don't do a whole lot of planting and harvesting. Most of us, maybe you, any of you have a small garden at home? Anyone? A little small garden? So, you, you know, you start seeing some of the, those principles at work. When, when I lived in Arizona, one of the unique things about Arizona is you can have green grass throughout the year, right? Like 
365 days a year green grass, but if you want green grass all year, you actually have to have two different lawns because the, in the heat of Arizona, only Bermuda grass stays green, and that comes back every year. It, go, it goes dormant in the cold months, and so if you don't do anything else, you'll have brown grass through the winter months, and then it'll come back in the spring. So if you want green grass year-round, you actually have to plant grass, rye grass, in, in the fall. And when that lawn gets planted, you'll have a nice green lawn throughout the winter, and then when that grass dies in the heat, the Bermuda grass grows again. Little lesson, won't charge you extra for that today. So in order to do that, I meant every fall, if I wanted green grass, which we did, is I had to, and then you have that nice like rye grass versus Bermuda is not very nice grass to hang out in, but in the winter, when it's nice and warm in, in Arizona, you got that green grass. So I would, every uh, fall in October, I would scalp the lawn. You have to scalp it, like literally take the Bermuda grass down to the dirt, and it's nasty, and you clean it all up. Then you prepare the ground, you put the seed down, and you have to spread manure, and so the neighborhoods smell like manure sometimes for a week or two. But the, the goal is you get this nice grass. You have to water it constantly for two weeks, and then it comes up. I don't know what it is. I don't have a very good green thumb, but my, my uh, lawn looked more like a, a chia pet with male pattern baldness. I mean, it was, it was just kind of spotty and kind of thin, and I'd be like, how come I can't get this? And I would try every year, and I couldn't get it, and my neighbor across the street, literally across the street, neighbor Chris, had the plushest lawn. I mean, this thing was like, you couldn't walk on. I mean, he was like, he babied this thing. It was perfect. It was thick. And I could never get it to look like his lawn. It was a competition. But finally, I, I went to, to Chris. I was like, Chris, what, what am I doing wrong? I'm, I'm reading, you know, I'm measuring my lawn. I'm planting the seed. I'm doing all this stuff. He said, yeah, 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 that's your problem. You need to double the amount of seed. You need to double what they say on the bag. Double, I gotta buy twice as much. Yeah, yeah, it costs more, but double it, trust me. And, and sure enough, you double the seed what do you get? You get at least double the lawn, right? I mean, it's an obvious principle. But sometimes we, we forget about that. And when we think in the kingdom of God, we go, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to plant. I'm afraid to sow because I'm not sure that I'll, I'll reap anything. But we see that this holds true in all of life, that the return, right, the crop is directly proportional to the investment, to the seed, Right? We see that, and, and we see that, again, this principle is, is, in, is in all of life. When you look in different parts of your life, if you're a student, you know that, that your test scores are probably, in most instances, gonna be directly proportional to how hard you studied, how much you did the homework, right? Any amens on that, right? Just direct proportional. You didn't do it, you didn't put the time in, you didn't investment, you're probably not gonna get the grade. It's this the planting of these seeds, little by little, that adds up. You think about it in love and in relationship. If a man is courting a woman and is doing you know, special things and, and you know, candies and flowers and notes and, and being very attentive but then stops when it's time to get married, well, that doesn't flourish in a relationship. But if you continue to build and continue to invest over time, eventually you can have a crop and you may have a family. You may have grandkids and great-grandkids. I mean, there's this, this idea of this investment principle and, and this growth all throughout Think about any habit that you've developed or any expertise you've developed. Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hour rule. You know that rule? Anything, if you invest 10,000 hours into anything, you're probably gonna be an expert and professional at it. Is 10,000 hours a small amount of time? <laughs> That's a lot of time. That one hour does not seem like much when you do it, but you link an hour after an hour and after hour practicing your scales and reading the notes and running those songs and doing the music. Eventually you become proficient. Eventually you can become an expert. The investment, it holds true in the kingdom of God and in this world all throughout, we see that. But in this passage, you know, he's not just talking about the things in this world. He's not even just talking about spiritually, like you wanna grow spiritually, it holds as well. You invest time in prayer, 
you read your Bible, maybe a verse a day. Could take you a long time to get through the Bible, but you, you'd be making progress. A chapter a day. Little by little, you're reading, you're growing. You invest consistently into coming into worship and being with God's people and hearing his word, you're growing. You get around others and you go, I don't have any relationships in the church and I don't know, I don't know anybody. Well, start getting into a life group. Go and be a part of that week in and week out and watch what happens, relationships flourish. It happens in the kingdom of God everywhere. But in this passage, Paul isn't talking about those things. He's talking very specifically about giving. He's talking about this, our finances and how we invest them in the kingdom of God. And the equivalent is, we'll see in this passage as it is today, the seed equals the money. When he's talking about this, this principle of, of sowing and reaping, the seed is the money, and the crop is the multiplied impact of our investment. The crop is what happens with the investment of what we do with the resources that we have been entrusted with. Now, we look at this, and just like um, in, if I think about, you know, reseeding that lawn in, in, in Arizona, I could have bought like eight times as many bags and had them all sitting in my garage. That would not have given me a green lawn, would it? So it's not really just all about the amount of seeds. Sometimes we get hung up on, do I have enough to be generous, to give, to do those things? Here's the piece. It's not the amount of seed that matters, but the amount of seed actually planted. It's not about the amount of seed you have, it's the amount of seed actually planted. Imagine a farmer again, or imagine me in Arizona, right? You got all these bags of, uh, of seed, or a farmer has all these seeds, and, and he stores them in barns, and he just keeps building them and, and, and doing and hoarding all those seeds. Is it gonna do any good? No, obviously not. What does the farmer need to do? What does he have to do? He has to actually take some seed and go, I'm gonna do without this, but I'm gonna just stick it in the ground. <laughs> I'm gonna put it there where, where it doesn't seem like it's doing anything, where it may not even seem like it's making a difference. But he has to actually invest it. He has to plant it and put it in the ground. And so when we think about our giving, when we think about our resources in the kingdom of God, what God has given us, he gives us and provides seeds for us. What do we do with them? How do we handle them? Do we invest them? Do we plant them into the soil of the kingdom of God? Because that's where some amazing things can begin to happen when we, when we, when we plant those seeds into the kingdom of God. And you look at, what is that crop? What is the crop that we're harvesting when we, when we plant in the kingdom of God? Well, today we had a great example. This is a part of, of what we get to celebrate together. Everyone who has invested in this place and given in this place and, 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 and part of this church community we get to celebrate lives that are being changed, the impact that's being had, those, the kids that are in park kids right now, the, the teachers that are, that are caring for them, that are teaching them, that are loving them. There's an investment that's going in. There's a crop that's being brought forth. When I think about those, the videos we just saw from OSYC, from the State Youth Convention, the leaders, the coaches that have been a part of that, that are pouring into students, those that are, are, are spending time together with them as a church to make resources available, so many different ways that we invest and we get to see the impact of that life change. But we have to say for us, all right, in order to see that, how much of that seed am I actually planting in the ground? So we get, so many times, again, we get hung up in the church, well, how much? Where does the seed come from? What do, how can I even be generous to give in those ways? Well, Paul, again, this was just the first verse here where he sets up the principle, but then he goes on in verse seven. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Where's the decision made and how generous and how much to give? What does it say here? In your heart. That doesn't sound very much like a logical, economic, you know, accountant-based kind of decision, right? 
You should decide based on what you know, your accountant says. You should decide based, where, there, see this connection again to heart, to heart and giving and to finances and to see that there's, there's something going on in us. You must decide in your heart, it's a heart issue. But then it comes down to, in this heart issue, how do you give? Do you give reluctantly? Do you give under pressure? Like that one thing I want you to know, even as we've talked about the big give, and even as we share every week and thank you for your giving and generosity, I personally, and as a church, we don't ever want that to be something that feels forced, something that feels pressured. Don't give, if you feel pressured, don't give, because that's not the right motive. That's not the right heart, and God won't bless what is not given out of the right motive, because what happens is it's robbing the blessing in you. And so he says, give cheerfully. Give with a joyful heart, not out of compulsion. So how do you experience that in your heart? It's when you can have joy in giving. It's when I can blow 1250 on some stupid earmuffs and have a great bit of joy that I gave it out of joy versus out of, that was, I shouldn't spend money, that's not really wise. When you give out of joy, it's fun. Whether that's a small amount, and sometimes you give large amounts, and, and think about this way. Have you ever given a present? Think about Christmas coming or birthdays, right, where you've spent a lot of money. You've really gone above and beyond, you've stretched yourself. Are you more or less excited for that person to open that present? You're more excited. What is it about that? Because your heart is in the right place for that, that, that it didn't matter that it actually cost you more. You didn't count the dollars and we're all, you know, even though it was difficult, but the joy that it gave you is what leads to that beautiful thing that happens in the other person and in you. And so generosity and joy aren't related to how much or how little. It's, it's what is your heart able to do the joy that you have in, in giving this. And we get to a place where we get to go, I get to do this. I get to do this. I have the privilege of giving. I have the privilege of being generous. I, have the, I, I get to be a part of what God is doing at Meadow Park. I get to be a part of what's happening in some of these, these organizations or people that I support. Uh, it was awesome. I got a, just a quick little note with somebody uh, who's not, a couple that's not able to come uh, to Meadow Park anymore right now, and, and they're still watching online. I hope you're watching, maybe you're watching this morning. And uh, they sent a check and, and with the big give for, for the church and wrote this little note and just said, Pastor Mark, we enjoy the messages uh, online. And says, hopefully we'll have a great response to the goal of 100% of our people giving a tithe or a double tithe this month. And I love this sentence. It is a very meaningful way to express our thanksgiving for God's beautiful blessings. You can just hear the, the joy. Handwritten note just saying, look, we, we get to do this. This is a joy, this is a privilege, and here, count me in. I don't even get to be maybe physically part of it right now, but we are with you. I'm supporting what's happening. We wanna be a part of what God is doing in this place. And so as we, as we think about this, and as we've talked even over these, these last several weeks as we introduced this generosity ladder, this idea that, that part of our spiritual journey is growing in the grace of giving and taking those steps. And here's the thing, with every step that we take, the reap-so principle is at work. Because the more that you're sowing, the more blessing comes. The more reaping is there. And again, it's not always dollar for dollar. This is not what this is about. It's a blessing comes in so many different ways in our life. But it's growing in that ability to trust God and to put this reap-sow principle to the test. But then you say, okay, well, how, where does this ability come from to give joyfully and to have enough? Well, Paul continues here in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 9. And God will generously provide all you need. Some of us just maybe need to stop right there and hold on to that. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, 
They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. So you go, where does the ability to give from? See, God, I kind of see this almost like God being um, like you might be as a parent around Christmas time if you have younger kids that aren't earning money yet. How many of you have ever given money to your kids to buy Christmas presents, <laughs> right? You might say you go to the store or this is for me. Like here's some money. Would you go or go to that, you know, the Santa's workshop at school and here's, you know, 10 bucks and, and they come home with these gifts. This is the principle at work. Where did that money come from? They didn't earn, they didn't do it. It came from you as mom, as dad, as grandparent, right? You provided that. And so there was enough for them to be generous to then give that gift on behalf of themselves to somebody else. They got the joy. There was enough for them and enough to share with others. And the biblical picture all the time is of, is of God as our what? As our heavenly father. And here Paul reminds us, look, he has come to give you. He makes it possible. God will generously provide for you. And then he restates it again in the next verse, verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Ultimately, what God is looking to do, he's saying, look, there's, this, there's, there's so many different layers of this that's happening. God's providing the seed to the farmer. How does God provide seed to the farmer? Let's start there. How does he do that? Does somebody just drive up in a big truck and go, farmer, here's some seed? Very likely, it started that the farmer started with just maybe a bag of seeds, or maybe he had an apple, or maybe he had a grain of wheat, a head of wheat. Did you know that in a head of wheat, that there are, isn't just one seed. In one, it's not a one-to-one -one ratio. On average, there are 22 seeds per head in a grain of wheat. And you know how many heads? There's about five heads of, um, of grain on, on, on a head of wheat. So you have about 110 seeds per plant. So from one seed that you plant for grain, it grows and you get 120 plus seeds. You see that generosity principle? You see the reap so principle at work? And if the farmer doesn't save any of that seed, that there's enough there for him to plant more and to give generously to others. I, I saw this quote and I found this quote when I came across it and I thought it's so cool. It says, uh, author's unknown, but though you can easily count the seeds in an apple, it's impossible to count the apples in a seed. If you slice an apple open, most apples have five chambers, and each chamber has a seed. So you got about five seeds per apple. You guys like all this math, right? <laughs> five seeds per apple. And an average tree yields about 300 apples per season. So you're looking at about 1,500 seeds, right, that, that are just out of this one seed in this one apple. Well, if you take that just one step further, those 1,500 seeds, and you were to plant 1,500 apples, and those apples would produce another 1,500 All of a sudden, within just one level, two levels up, you're over two million seeds. This is God's kingdom. This is God's design. This is the, this is the author of life who's behind this. He's saying, look, you're not gonna end up short. I will provide for you. It is hardwired into the system of God that when you sow generously, you will reap generously. I will provide for you. You can't count. You can count the number of seeds in the apple, but you don't know the impact over time that it's just gonna multiply in ways beyond our imagination. This is the hard wiring into creation. And he says, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, right? God's gonna say, I'm gonna do it in the same way. In the same way that you see it, I'm gonna do it for you. What's God's purpose? There's a couple of them. One of them is this, to produce a harvest of generosity in you. 
It's not, about the, it's not just about what happens out there. He's saying God's doing this so that you will be able to be generous, like the kid that goes into that Santa's workshop and gets to spend money and give gifts to everyone, generous because God has provided for them. The joy that comes from that, God wants to produce that harvest of generosity in you. And so when we look at how we handle our resources and what we do with it, it's so important. God's wanting to do something in us. And he says it again here in the next verse, verse 11. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And he says this, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So if we look at this, there's like this win-win-win proposition that's happening in the kingdom of God when we, when we give and when we're generous. The first one is we, we get to experience it in our own lives. We get to be generous people. We get to see how God provides. It grows us spiritually. And then the purposes in the kingdom of God are accomplished through, through what the church does, through what we do through the kingdom of God. There's a blessing there. And then on the other end, the recipients of the blessings, those that are, that are being provided for, it says they will thank God. And it comes full circle. And God's saying, you get to be a part of this if you would plant that seed into the kingdom of God. So ultimately what we see here is God's, another part of God's purpose is not just in us, but God allows us to be a part of God's greater, ever unfolding story. I think this is one of the coolest things, that we just get to be part of the story. This is one of the ways God invites us in and saying, will you continue to be a part of what I'm doing in this world and the kingdom? To give of yourself, to give of your time, to give of your resources, and watch what begins to happen. We don't wanna be the farmer who gets the seed and says, it's all mine. This is mine, I've worked for it, I've done it, and and we don't continue to allow the blessing to flow. I shared uh, about this guy last week who's the chief development officer for the Bible Museum uh, project. He had to raise a billion dollars, and so he was working again with, with donors of all uh, you know, sizes and uh, capabilities and, and where they are in, in faith, but one thing he would see is about this connection to heart transformation in, in, in giving, and here's what, he, here's what he said. He said, I've seen this repeatedly with givers who at some extraordinary moment in time suddenly realize why they are here not simply to exploit their ability to accumulate wealth, but to create a story much greater than themselves. This, in a way, is a picture of redemption. As people rise above their personal limitations and see the supernatural potential of their own lives through their generous giving. It's being able to see, God, there's more that you want me to be a part of. You want me to connect in some way. You want me to be connected to the baptisms that are happening, the life change that's happening in the children and in the students, the impact we're making in, uh, with, with Heart for Lebanon and Heart to Honduras and in Children of Promise in these different ways. God, you want me to be a part of that. You want me to be a part of Meadow Park's story and where we're going. And this is one of those ways, and as we're talking about, it's spiritual, how we invest and how we engage financially. And often it flows out of a heart that has been changed and transformed by God. When we give cheerfully, we get to be a part of what God is doing. There's a verse that I just wanna wanna close with here, and it's uh, Galatians 6, 9. Paul reminds us here, too, as he's writing to a church, he says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That's that incremental piece. We just, just, just don't give up. Don't stop doing good. Don't stop doing what you can. Don't stop trusting God. Don't stop with, with, with saying, I, I can't see how this is gonna make a difference, how my little bit's gonna make a difference. All of us together. Because in the end, God's got a big purpose, and that's to have a giant harvest 
that he's calling us to a harvest full of lives, lives changed, the mission of our church, why we do what we do, is to see people's lives transformed, changed in the kingdom of God, that our community would know Meadow Park is a generous church. When we open our doors you know, every night of the week and all throughout for years here, so many different ways that we have groups coming and we, we let them meet here, support groups, and we say, yes, we're here for the community. We wanna be a part of what God is doing and we all get to be a part of that. God doesn't only wanna grow the harvest of generosity to those that receive it, but he wants to grow it in us. God's purpose, it transforms us, it transforms our ministry, it transforms those whom we are reaching. Thank you so much for the ways that you invest in so many ways here and the steps that you are taking to grow that generosity. And I pray, I pray, I pray that God would grow that harvest of generosity in you and multiply that for his kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the many ways that you provide for us. That we look around and we see, God, your blessing all around us, your goodness to us. And Father, you're like that dad wanting to give us a few dollars to go to the Christmas shop. You're wanting to say, be generous. I've given to you, I've provided for you. Would you please share that, pass that on? And I've got more than enough for you. Lord, help us to walk in that childlike faith and that trust. And God, may we see a rightful, generous harvest of blessing all around us. Lord, in this church, may we continue to see lives transformed for you. And we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.